Hi, this is A.D. Crowsdale from Kent Records, and you're listening to a Shrine recording on Soul Discovery. Sorry I took so long, but it's just one of those things, uh, chap. Um, I just wanted to uh, send you a tape instead of uh, writing you. Uh, the reason for that is uh, <laughs> I might as well be truthful about it. When it comes to writing, I'm a little lazy. And uh, I thought maybe I would send you a tape uh, to make it a little more personal, you know, just sitting down. Uh, just talking, and instead of writing you, uh, probably if 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 I had uh, written you, it would probably have taken me uh, forever and a day anyway, you know. So I, I do apologize for taking so long. Uh, I'd I'd like to uh, uh, first say to you, uh, I, I would like to commend you for your uh, your research that you've done especially on Shrine Records and I talked to Harry Bass and, and he also agreed to, with me that that you are you're more than a historian you've really done your homework and and uh, we both feel one day that 
I think you're going to be a force to be reckoned with, not only in the UK. I think people uh, all over will know about you. Uh, and I'm not blowing smoke. I really feel this because you seem to be, first of all, not just doing what you're doing. You seem to be sincere in it. And I think that's the bottom line, being sincere in whatever you do. So uh, I just wanted to take this time uh, to, uh, you know, commend you for your work that you are doing. And and I want you to keep the good work up. And, and, and you, you'll definitely have... Uh, someone over here in the States in your corner, and that's me. So, uh, without further ado, I guess it's time for me to talk about myself. Uh, I, I uh, personally, I don't really like to talk about myself. Uh, you know, maybe some people find it easy to do. Uh, I, I find it very difficult to talk about myself. But anyway, uh, I am married, of course. I, uh, I've been married uh, <laughs> too many years to, to, to uh, not when I say too many years, I don't want it to sound like that I regret it. I, I have a very uh, lovely wife, and, and, but it's just, you know, man, I tell you, the, the years have a tendency of, uh, you know, catching up. You know, say, well, my God, has it been that long? Well, anyway, I've been married a long time. So, <laughs> uh, I have a lovely wife, like I said, and, and uh, I have uh, three lovely, lovely children. Well, not uh, three children. One is grown. My oldest guy is 25, and uh, he's in Washington, D.C. He's on his own, of course. Uh, my middle is my daughter. She's eight. And my baby uh, son is six. He just turned six. And, uh, you know, we, we're really a close-knit family. Uh, I, I try my best to teach all of them how the family is. And, and uh, you know, I don't care. You can be a millionaire or you can be uh, a person without a dime. But if you have a strong family structure, you are very wealthy. That's for sure. So I, I try to instilling my kids that it's it's important to to have love and, and never put anyone above your family. Just have a very tight-knit family, and that's what we have, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, I was uh, born in Virginia, a little small town in Virginia, and uh, I, I started singing at an early age uh, with my family, my uh, mother's uh, my mother's sisters and, and, and we, we all we had a, a gospel thing. We all sang gospel, and uh, I guess that's you know where most blacks, I guess you would say, that's where they really uh, the foundation of it. And, and of course, in my case, it was we, we had a you know I had to go to church. It was, I, I wouldn't care if I didn't go to church, uh, I would have to be damn near dead. You know, that's the only excuse I could uh, have for not going to church. So it was a must in, in, in our house that you had to go to church. And uh, that's that's where my early back uh, upbringing uh, in, in the music uh, field was from uh, formulated from gospel. Uh, and uh, I guess after the gospel came, of course, you 
back during that time where you you had your rock and roll and so forth, I started getting into rock and roll and uh, you know growing up and you you know you start uh, experimenting with different things, different types of songs, you know, and that was the early uh, years of my uh, singing and. Uh, Speeding up with the time capsule, I guess uh, you could say uh, I moved to Washington D.C. Uh, in, in in 1960, and uh, I after shortly after moving to Washington D.C., I met some guys and we we had a little group, you know, doing street corner harmony or trying to find a, a nice hallway in an apartment building to to uh, get a good echo, which made you sound much better than you really were, um, and uh, we, I had a little group that I had formed in Washington in the early years, and it, it's been so long ago I don't even remember the name of the group. Anyway, uh, we did a couple of little talent shows and so forth, and we, like I said, we had our little groupies, uh, you know, the girls would come to hear us sing, and uh, during the during those early years, I uh, there was a, a group in Washington D.C. called themselves the Love Beats, and uh, they were very very uh, popular in in Washington because uh, they they had a, a large following. They had gone to the Apollo Theater, which I'm quite sure you've heard of, uh, the world famous Apollo Theater in Harlem, New York. Uh, it was one of the the theater, the black theater, you know, one of the theaters in the black theater circuit. Well, anyway, the Love Beat had uh, won a talent show at the Apollo Theater, and, and one of the members of the group I, you know, had met, and and you know I used to always say to him, uh, "Well, my group is go my group's going to blow you away one day," and of course he would laugh at me because they were fantastic, they really were. But anyway, this guy ended up being Kenny Lewis, who I ended up singing with later on. Uh, I would see him and I would always joke with him. I'd say, yeah, Kenny, we're going to blow you away next week. And, you know, he would laugh because these guys, I mean, they looked apart the and they acted. They were very professional, you know. And, and uh, so I was, uh, you know, I, I really emulated them in a way. So uh, one day, I guess a couple of years later, uh, to the uh, Kenny Lewis and... Uh, he uh, he's asked me what was I doing, and I told him nothing. You know, he asked me if I was still singing. I told him no because the group I was with uh, had broken up. So he said, "Well, you know, uh, I got a band. You know, I'm trying to get a thing together." He said, "Why don't you come up uh, to the house and, uh, you know, I, I got a band. Would you be interested?" I said, "Sure." So I went up, and uh, I met. Then there was a guy also came up to audition by the name of Max Kidd. And he was just out uh, the armed forces, uh, just in from Germany. And uh, so we met, and we ended up being the surgeons. That was the first group. It was uh, Kenny Lewis, who is Kenny St. Louis now, who's, of course, you know, gone on to write uh, a number of hit songs. Uh, he did uh, a couple of albums on the group Tavares. Uh, he did a record with Michael Jackson, uh, Farewell, My Summer Love. He did a couple of records on The Silvers, Boogie Fever, uh, the late Minnie Ripperton. And uh, so anyway, this is the same Kenny, which I'm very proud of. Uh, we end up forming a group called The Surgeons. It was, uh, the vocalist was uh, Max Kidd, Kenny St. Louis, and myself.
Sid Hall. And we were self-contained. We had uh, a lead guitar, uh, a guy who is famous in his own right, uh, his name Skip Charles Pitts, who wrote and composed Shaft. He played on it. He played Shaft, Isaac Hayes. And uh, from even before then, uh, uh, after we broke up, he before going with Isaac Hayes, he uh, did his sure thing for the Isley Brothers, who he played on, and he did. He played with Wilson Pickett, Gene Chandler, uh, a number of people, you know. So anyway, it was Skip Pitts on uh, lead guitar, and uh, a guy named Ernest Smith, who also played in a lot of bands with Skip after we broke up. Uh, was uh, second guitar. We had a guy named Eugene, who's deceased now, uh, who we missed quite a bit. Uh, he was a bass player, and uh, uh, Gerald Richardson was uh, our drummer, who was one of the original Love Beach, uh, one of the original singers with uh, Kenny uh, Lewis, uh, who's a fantastic singer also. That was the surgeons, and in the early years. Uh, We've met a guy named Fred Mosley, who was in the construction business. He was our first manager. And uh, we went to New York and we recorded a record called The Ladder. And this record was, uh, it was a cute record for it, uh, for the time. We, had, we got a lot of airplay in the Washington, D.C. area. We had a, a disc jockey in Washington, D.C. on one of the local radio stations who was really crazy about us. And this guy used to play all of our, all, Every, I would say, without fail, every Sunday at a certain time, we knew we would hear the letter. So this is where it started. And then we started getting play from uh, the tri-state area, which would be Washington, D.C., Baltimore, which Richmond, Virginia. That, that's, that was, that's the, was considered the tri-state, uh, Richmond, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Baltimore. So that's where we got most of our airplay anyway. Uh, and after that, uh, we did a lot of work. We we uh, we we got a lot of gigs uh, in the Baltimore area, uh, especially in the Baltimore area, Washington D.C. area. And we we had developed a, a large following. We had a lot of people back during that time. You had a couple of gangs, of course, and uh, even the guys, which was unusual. You know, most of the time, guys are very jealous. Of 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 uh, uh, guys that sing because they feel that they're taking all the girls from them, you know. And which we, of course we had our you know had our groupies and uh, but the guys really liked us, you know, because uh, we had a very unique style. To be honest with you, I, I think that uh, we were ahead of our time. Not just I'm not. I hope I don't sound like I'm putting us on on a, a pedestal. We were really ahead of our time. We we did a lot of. Uh, uh, the harmony that we did for three people, you just didn't hear, and right to this day, you don't hear anything like it. The only thing I could say, we did, for three people, we did harmony, we did stuff like uh, Moonlight in Vermont even, that, that that wasn't original stuff. Most of the stuff we did was original, but we would do a lot of uh, stuff like Moonlight in Vermont, and a lot of your uh, show tunes, we did it our way, and uh, we, ha we we did, four and five part harmony with three guys. We were doing stuff uh, that just you just wouldn't hear every day. So I would say we were ahead of our time. So we had a large following. Uh, we, um, we, we had become so popular 
that, uh, you know, everywhere you would go in Washington, D.C., like uh, other groups were talking about us, you know, have you heard the surgeons, man, they, man, those guys are bad, you know. Of course it made us feel good back during that time, you know, you had your little big head and that ego trip and so forth, you know. But that's, that's, that's the way it was, you know. Well, anyway, we, the surgeons, that was the first group. Uh, later, after being together so long, uh, we, the, the band split. Uh, Skip Pitts and, and Ernest went, uh, I'm not for sure who they first went on the road with. I think it may have been Gene Chandler. Uh, he was popular and very hot at the time, the guy that did the Duke of Earl, of course, out of Chicago. And Kenny, Max, and myself stayed together. We changed the name from the Surgeons to the Enjoyables. And uh, the Enjoyables, uh, we had really gotten a lot of uh, popularity of uh, uh, enjoyables. We went to uh, one of the famous nightclubs in uh, Brooklyn, New York, uh, where we did a couple of shows and we knocked them out. And uh, we, had be we had become sort of like uh, local celebrities, but to the point that a lot of your top entertainers that were coming to Washington, D.C. Uh, would have heard about us. Uh, uh, we, be we became friends with a lot of them. Uh, they would come to the Howard Theater in Washington, D.C. Uh, the Howard Theater is uh, one of the theaters that uh, was in the th uh, black theater circuit along with the Apollo and out of New York and the Howard. And so a lot of the entertainers were coming to Washington, D.C. Uh, we would party with them and, uh, you know, we had our following, of course. As a matter of fact, uh, during that time, uh, you know how it is, you had the, the groupies, which still exist today. I don't know what they call them today because I been all off the scene for a long time. Anyway, we had our groupies. Uh, a lot of the top entertainers would come into uh, town and matter of fact, we had more popularity than the girls were. If they would see us backstage, they would, instead of, uh, you know, yelling at smoke in the miracles, they would, they would be screaming for us, you know, and of course it made us feel good again, you know, we, we you know, younger and on that ego trip. But anyway, we were very popular. We become sort of, uh, I wouldn't say tight friends with Smokey Robinson, but to the point that uh, we followed him to New York once uh, and uh, we went to see Ray Gordy when Ray Gordy and uh, Singleton had the Motown office in New York. And we did, I'd say we did about 30 or 40 original songs, uh, one right out of the and, and we blew their mind. We really did. And uh, Drew, I'd, I'd say that to this day, I really believe. I know you, you, you may think that this is a very cocky statement, but I really believe this to this day, that not only was Smokey Robinson, who was established in the Miracles at that time, I think Motown didn't know what the hell to do with us because I, I, I believe during that time they didn't really want any other acts on that label that would sort of upset what they had they had that family hookup, and uh, we were, like I said, we were different. We were ahead of our time. Even I think they said it, when, because they had never heard a style like ours. I think they feared us. I think Smokey did. I really do. I think that they, because Kitty Lewis is probably one of the greatest lyric, lyrics, uh, lyrics man, lyric man, or whatever you want to call him, that I've ever heard. The guy's a fantastic songwriter. 
you know, and I, I do have trouble sometimes articulating the way I would like to. So, but if if that's what you would call him, a lyrics, a lyric man, he's a he's a great songwriter. In other words, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, and I really believe that Smokey was a little nervous about Kenny because he heard a demo that we had done. Uh, we were really that good, and we had a, we had a lot of uh, a great. Uh, original songs. So anyway, we did, we would follow uh, a hunch from Motown. We went to a couple other record companies and uh, everybody would say, wow, man, you guys, you, you guys have a different sound. So anyway, we finally latched on to a record deal with Capitol Records. And, and the funny thing how this happened, we went in one day, was on a Monday, uh, Tuesday, and we went in without an appointment, and the receptionist says, uh, who would you like to see, and uh, say, we'd like to see someone in your A&R department, and uh, she says, well, uh, Mr. Bateman is busy now, uh, uh, do you have an appointment? Uh, we said, no, we, we, we don't have an appointment, we're from Washington, D.C., and uh, we're the, the name of the group is the Enjoyables, and we would like to see someone. So she said, wait a minute, so she uh, Buzz Bob Bateman, a guy named Robert Bateman, who also was affiliated at one time with uh, Motown. If I'm not mistaken, I think Bob Bateman may have been co-writer uh, on Please Mr. Postman. Well, anyway, make a long story short, uh, Bob Bateman said later the only reason that he saw us is when the girl told him that a group from Washington, D.C., uh, by the name of the Enjoyables, wanted someone to listen to them, he thought we were broads, you know, so uh, it, that's why he, he saw us. So anyway, Robert Bateman finally came out and he, you know, he was a little shocked when he saw that we were guys, you know, he said, uh, oh, you didn't draw us? We said, yeah. So anyway, he listened to us and again, we did about 20 or 30 songs, one right behind another, acapella, one right behind another, from one into the next. next. We blew him away. So uh, this was on a Tuesday. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know, I'm quite maybe it's probably been quicker recordings. We saw him on a Tuesday, Friday of the same week, we recorded four or five songs. One of the songs that was released on Capitol Records, a song called Push A Little Harder, the A side and the flip side, it's called We'll Make a Way. I'm going to put that on the, on the flip side of this tape for you, along with some other records, uh, so you can listen to. But that, that was, you know, unheard of, you know, to meet someone with a big company like Capitol Records on a Tuesday and record Friday the same week. It, it, you know, it, it was just something that, uh, you know, just don't happen every day. Anyway, this is what happened. And uh, then Jobbles, uh we really were close, Max, Kenny, and myself. We were so tight. We we almost we, we thought in harmony. I mean, everything. It was it was almost like you would even say maybe Siamese twins. You know, everything we did. Uh, we we rehearsed when we didn't know what was tomorrow was going to bring. Uh, in the summertime, people would be out partying, and we'd be in a hot apartment in Washington, rehearsing. Uh, 
honing our craft and which we really, like I said, we were very tight. Uh, and we just stayed at it, stayed at it, stayed at it. We had a lot of fun. It was, I, right to this day, I have two brothers and I, I would have to say that the two brothers that I have, I do not love them any more than I love Max and Kenny. And you know, it's a funny thing, in, in today's society we live in, it seemed to be with this macho image, uh, most men uh, seem to find it very hard to, to say or display their affection for another man because the society that we live in today, Andrew, dictates to us, say, well, a man is not supposed to display that type of a feeling toward another man without not being masculine. And I say to you, if it's someone that you love, whether he be man or woman, tell them that you love him. Don't wait until it's too late. And then you might say, well, geez, I wish I had to say to them, you know, how I felt about them, you know. So anyway, I love these guys right today like my brothers. You know, we were, how could you not when you do so many things together and, and you know, go through what we went through. Anyway, we were very tight. We had a lot of fun. And uh, that was the enjoyables. The enjoyables broke up. I started singing uh, single vocalists. Uh, Max formed a group and Kenny formed a group. The group, by the way, didn't break up because of anything that uh, either one of us did to each other. Not at all. It just, I, I, to be honest with you, I think that we, what happened, it was so many disappointments and, and, and heartaches. You know, we just, and during that time we had started, all of us had started families, and we were getting older. Uh, we decided that, hey, look, well, let's just give, we'll just give it up. And, I, and at the time, thinking back now, I don't think either one of us probably intended on ever getting back into singing, especially the way the roots uh, went and split. But anyway, Max formed a group, and uh, he started writing and producing. Kenny Lewis started writing and producing, and uh, he uh, got a couple of members of his old group that was still around, and they, were, they weren't, really weren't doing anything. It was just like a local thing. And I started singing in a couple of local, local nightclubs in Washington, D.C. And lo and behold, come Shrine Records come to Washington, D.C. Uh, we heard about this guy, Eddie Singleton, uh, bought this record company to Washington, D.C., and he was looking for talent. And Washington, D.C., more than likely the reason why Eddie came into Washington, because Washington, D.C. was noted, always was noted for having great entertainers musicians and singers and a lot of great people have come out of Washington DC from Duke Ellington to Marvin Gaye to Clovers you name it so I'm more than likely that that had a lot to do with Eddie going to Washington DC so we went down um, Max Kenny and myself and along with a lot of other people that we knew went to Shrine and we to check it out see what was going on and sure enough we uh, we liked what we heard and what we saw uh, I signed on as a single vocalist. Max uh, and Kenny signed on as songwriters, producers. And as we met Harry Bass, who was a songwriter and producer. And uh, that was the start of the great Shrine Records. It was, uh, to be honest with you, even now, I, I sometimes I find it very difficult to uh, to talk about Shrine because uh, 
it meant so much to all of us. We really, I, I really believe to this day that we could have been as good, if not better, than Motown. Now, that's a big statement, but I believe it. We had fantastic talent with Shrine Records. We had great songwriting. We had great producers. We had Dale Warren, which was a great uh, arranger. We had everything going for us. Uh, I don't know what happened, um, Andrew. I really don't. I, I really believe that Eddie had a great vision, and I think that he did everything in his power to bring this off. Maybe he made a lot of mistakes. I don't know, you know, because I wasn't in the business end of it. I don't know what happened. But I know it was a sad day, the day that we all found out the Shrine Records would no longer exist. And it was a day that I'll never forget. But hopefully, this thing that's happening over in the UK now, something uh, good may come out of it and, and where people can, uh, will know about Shrine Records uh, uh, and, and the Shrine Record family. We, uh, we did everything we could to, uh, to make it happen. And more, more than likely, most of the stuff was out of our control. Uh, I, I think that uh, if this thing happened, and I got a feeling that something may come out of it. I really do. I hope I'm not, you know, uh, uh, getting my hopes up because definitely after talking to you, it really got the juices flowing in a way that I haven't had them flowing in years. And, and, but, uh, you know, hopefully that something will come out of this and, and some of the other people that I haven't seen or talked to in years will hear about it and, and, and it'll make everybody feel good about the effort that we all put into Shrine Records. Uh, the, the company that we love so much, uh, and along with Eddie Singleton and, and all his, the efforts that he put into it. Uh, so uh, hopefully that something will come out of it. Uh, I, I don't know what else I can talk about. You know, I, I'm, I'm just been, probably been rambling on, and I hope that you will understand this tape. Uh, I hope it's, uh, my diction is not... Uh, too poor. Uh, I hope that uh, you 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 can uh, understand it all right. So I I don't know, chap. Uh, what else to say? Uh, but in closing, I tell you what I would like to tell you. There was I've discovered that I have enough room on the A side of this tape to put the records on that I wanted to put on the B side. So it's no excuse. And uh, so well, I don't see any reason why I should waste. Uh, uh, a whole side of a tape for only a few records. So uh, uh, what I'm going to do is put the songs that I told you in the tape that I would put on the B side. I'm going to put them on this on the same side that you're listening to now. And uh, uh, in closing, too, I'd like to say uh, the records will be uh, a couple from uh, my old group, the the, Enjo uh, the Enjoyables. Uh, one side is Push a Little Harder, and the flip side of that is We'll Make a Way. And uh, that was Max Kenny and myself. And uh, then I'm going to put on uh, a Shirley Edwards tune, It's Your Love. And of course, I'm going to put on the song that I did at Shrine Records, uh, along with the one that Shirley did, uh, I'm a Lover and The Weeknd. Uh, Andrew, uh, I would like to say, too, there were some young fellas here in the Boston area about three weeks a month ago. And they, they, uh, They've been trying to pass themselves off as being famous people. No, let me, I, I'm only joking you. Of course they're famous. They are dynamite. 
the Rolling Stones from the UK were they were here, and they had uh, great reviews. Uh, you know, unbelievable. They knocked them out. And from what I understand, they were where they've been. It's a 30-city tour here in the U.S. They're on, and uh, they're making a lot of money. And uh, and uh, for guys in their in their 40s, uh, late 40s, like me. Uh, they are doing fantastic. So I figured, I said, well, what the hell? Maybe there's hope for uh, a guy my age after all. You know, if Mitt and the rest of the guys can get up there and do their thing, you know, in, in their 40s. So hopefully, you know, who knows? It might be some, uh, some hope for me after all. Uh, so uh, I would like to say it has definitely been a pleasure in talking with you. And, uh, and, and I, I would like for you to uh, keep in touch with me, and God bless.